Welcome to another edition of An Artifact Your Journey. I'm your host, Philip J. Merrill, and today, as usual, I am with... As always, I'm Veronica Carr, his favorite co-host, his only co-host, actually, so... How about just my favorite co-host? If you believe that. (laughs) Well, I do. Today, what in the world are we talking about? We are talking about a piano virtuoso, a woman of many talents. Unfortunately, during her lifetime, did not get the proper recognition that her talent deserved. Her name is Hazel Scott. Yes, the Hazel Scott, as in the woman who played two pianos at the same freaking time. Hazel Scott. Say that Two freaking pianos? Two pianos at the same time. There's some famous footage, you'll probably see it all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so forth, of a very beautiful looking, talented black woman playing two pianos at the same time. That is none other than Hazel Scott. Now, were they Steinways? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, I'm not a piano virtuoso, so. I know, I just thought I'd ask you that. You know I like to put you on the spot. Okay, so let, let's, let's, let's get into this. How in the world do we stumble across this Hazel Scott podcast today? Well, as with most things, we stumble across all these amazing stories through the artifacts in the Nanny Jack and Company archives. So today we have this January 1952 program where Hazel Scott is appearing in Baltimore, Maryland at the Polytechnic Auditorium of, yes, the famous Baltimore Polytechnic Institute which was a subject of an integration case in 1952. But she's there well before it's integrated. She's there in January. It's not integrated till the fall. Being sponsored by the Kappa chapter of the Iota Phi Lambda sorority. And she is there to benefit their scholarship fund. And so on inside this wonderful program, you actually see all the different songs that she's performing. It's quite a, for someone who's not musically gifted and or um, musically educated, <laughs> this still looks like quite a program. Well, she goes from classics to boogie woogie to jazz. I mean, the, the lady is gifted and she's talented and beautiful. World Travel, who was probably her most famous husband. None other than Fat Cat Adam Clayton Powell II. And of course, she's the mother of Adam Clayton Powell III. Keep the faith, baby. And what famous church is the family connected to? None other than Abyssinia Baptist Church. It is located in Harlem, New York. We stumbled across this in the archives because we're, we're wrapping up the research for a new book that's coming out in 2023 through Arcadia publishing called the images of america baltimore and the civil rights movement so in this new book i'm trying to look at civil rights through the lens of obviously the traditional stakeholders that we already know about but i'm also very very concerned about bringing new folks new instances and organizations to light that make up this expansive civil rights movement in Baltimore. And that leads us to... And Hazel Scott was one of those. She's largely known for her musical talents, but she was actually very committed and long involved in the civil rights movement. She refused to perform for segregated audiences. So if she showed up to a venue and she saw that the audiences were divided, she would tell whoever was in charge of the venue, I'm not performing. So they still paid her, but she refused to perform. And actually slowly led to the integration of facilities because she pushed heavily for integration. Um, For example, in Washington, she actually sued a restaurant when it refused to serve a um, friend of hers and herself because they did not serve Negroes. Now, are we talking about Washington as in Spokane or the District of Columbia, Washington? We're talking about Washington State. She was actually in Pasco, Washington in 1949. And she sued the owners of a Pasco, Washington restaurant. And that victory actually helped her to then challenge racial segregation in Spokane, Washington, and then lead to a much more larger civil rights movement nationally. So as I'm sitting here rubbing my chin hairs, 
I'm, I'm saying I know everyone needs to know that I am rubbing my chin hairs. Why is it that we are just beginning to learn about some of these outstanding activists other than the, the, the status quo that come out, Rosa Parks, God bless her, Martin Luther King, and, and so forth? Why don't we know of Hazel Scott as a civil rights activist? That's the million-dollar question. Well, because of work like we do, what we do and work that hundreds and thousands of others do, finally bringing these civil rights activists to light and not just looking at one facet of their life, you know, with Hazel Scott just looking at her performance, um, her musical talents, or her marriage to Adam Clayton Powell, but now finally realizing that she was a full-fledged individual who was very active, like many musicians and athletes and actors of the era in civil rights. Hazel Scott is not only a, a civil rights activist, she is a TV pioneer, yes, television pioneer, that I'm stuttering, I had not a clue. Why don't you take it over? And you know I didn't have a clue. Largely, I and probably like hundreds of other people are more familiar with Nat King Cole's show in the mid-1950s being the first African-American television variety show. But in 1950, Hazel Scott had 5-0, five, 5-0. Zero, five, zero. Hazel Scott had the Hazel Scott show. It was a 15-minute variety show where she would actually perform a variety of songs anywhere from Bach to her own kind of jazz take on these classics. And it was actually very well, highly praised. People loved her style, her performance. She was very um, well known for being a very classic. She um, would, you know, dress in, you know, diamonds and these low-cut strapless gowns and furs and so forth. And people loved that. It made her very charming. But unfortunately, something comes along and it actually ruins her her uh, TV career and kind of put a halt to her singing career. And that was that was something known as the House Un-American Activities Committee, known probably to the larger audience as McCarthyism, communism. The House Un-American Activities Committee, H-U-A-C, wanted to root out people in Hollywood that they thought had ties to communism, of course. Um, the famous kind of couple that gets attacked constantly were um, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. But Hazel Scott got wrapped up in the HUAC. But back up for a minute. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz are cutting edge TV actors, musicians and performers of studio operators and not people of color. Hazel Scott was. And of course, Hazel Scott and her husband were a power couple. Somehow Hazel gets wrapped up or swept up in this whole anti-communist movement. And she volunteers to actually... Uh, testified before the House on Americans Activities Committee against her husband's wishes. So she prepares a statement and she says that she's not a communist and she resents these accusations and she is very much anti-communist. Um, but unfortunately, it really doesn't go well. They still want to brand Hazel Scott as a communist. She had uh, connections to a very well-known venue known as the Cafe Society, where she had a long residency after Billie Holiday left, which apparently had communist ties and so after she testifies voluntarily again, her show ends up getting axed um, because people don't want to um, have her perform at concert venues. And then, of course, the producers of the show and the sponsors of the show kind of get a little antsy and say, well, you know, she's might have some communist connections. We can't keep her show. So it gets axed about two months after it had premiered. Let's go back to something. Share some of this. This is absolutely fascinating. First of all, I've never even heard of Dumont Television, but just... So like we said um, a little bit earlier, she was the first person of African descent to have their own television show in America, The Hazel Scott Show, which premiered on the Dumont Television Network, which I'm not familiar what with. What in the world? On July 3rd, 1950, Variety Magazine reported that Hazel Scott has a neat little show in this modest package its most engaging element being Scott herself. And it became so popular, it soon ran three times a week. 
And on the show, she performed with jazz musicians Charles Mingus and Max Roach, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. were among the members of her supporting band. Who knew? Who knew? Like I said, um, Nat King Cole gets the most recognition for his show. And that ran about, a, I think, about a year or so before that was axed. But Hazel Scott's show was about six years before that, and it gets axed after a couple of months. So I go back to my earlier premise. What in the world are we teaching folks, and why don't we know? I mean, right. We need to get beyond Martin Luther King and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and start teaching about the great work that people like Hazel Scott did. Where would America be without the music influence of people of African descent. Actually, jazz is the only original music style of America, and jazz, of course, created by people of African descent. Where would creativity be without black folk in America? Right, right. everywhere you look, there are black people who've done great things, not just with music, but with acting and dancing and fashion and so forth, and we hardly recognize their names. I mean, they largely get swallowed up by what we usually like to call the usual cast of characters. Which I'm very tired of. And, and I'm glad we're talking about this and it's not during Black, History, Black Month. History Month. And every day there's a need to disseminate, distribute, and uncover African-American history and culture. So w- with that said, I, I want you to uh, talk about something that was quoted in the February 2nd, 1952 edition of the Afro-American newspaper. I'm going to put a disclaimer before this. It is 1950s, so it's very 1950-ish reporting. We probably wouldn't use a lot of the same language or by the same reporting today. But during her January 1952 performance at the Polytechnic Auditorium at Polytechnic um, Institute, Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. Time out, interjection. For the Baltimore folks listening to this, that is now Alice's Palace, which is really named the Baltimore City public school system's headquarters on North Avenue. But before it was the school system headquarters, it was Poly High School. And that's where Hazel Scott is in January of 1952. And it talks about her performance and it says, quote unquote, the famous Scott figure is a little plumper than in her last performance hereabouts, but no less charming. Really? So, right, unfortunately, in 2022 standards, seven years later, that's fat shaming. So. Okay, so- so we body shaming? Okay, so so keep 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 that that tone for a moment. So at the CFG Bank Arena in 2023, Lizzo is coming. So you're not going to say Lizzo's a little plumper than her last. That's fat shaming. So, but unfortunately, like I said, this is 1952, so you have to look at it through the 1952 lens. But they did call her charming though. So, and she was wearing a black ballerina length gown enhanced with embroidery and jet medallions, extremely high-heeled black velvet pumps. Girlfriend loved her shoes and pearls. So she 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 had swag, boy. She she, she was drip. She had a historic drip, right? She, she has she swag. Was, she she loved historic, she right? loved those low-cut gowns. She loved the diamonds. She loved the shoes, the furs. Hazel Scott had her own persona and style, which distinguished her from other musicians and actresses of her day, like Dorothy Dandridge, like Lena Horne. She was who she was. And what about her hairstyle that was was unique for the period? For this performance, she was actually wearing what they called a poodle cut. Okay, time out again. What in the world is a poodle cut? A poodle cut was a very popular 1950s hairstyle where you would usually have like a lot of curly hair that was piled up on top of your head. And of course, people largely think of Lucille Ball or Jackie Kennedy with a poodle cut. But Hazel Scott wore a poodle cut. And Zola Taylor, who was the original female member of the African-American group, the Platters, actually wore a poodle cut for a number of years. Okay, so you're trying to tell me that there were no hair extensions, no dreads, no funky color, no 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 Crayola, Crayola crayon box color uh, in your hair, but this is 
This is what she was rocking in 52. I think I could rock a poodle cut. I got to grow my hair a little bit. But no longer be the co-host and executive producer, director of the show, right? The podcast? Is that, is that the new deal? Okay. All right. So, and, and, and also learning about Hazel, what, what I think is also important to remember is that she then goes on to get a divorce. And what does she do with her life? After she got divorced from Adam Clayton Powell in 1960, she then actually started seeing a Swiss Italian comedian. And let me make sure I'm getting his name right. His name is Ezio Bedin. They were 15 years apart. She was actually 15 years older. She clearly was the boss in that relationship, don't you think? <laughs> she was in her, I think, her early 40s. He might have been in his like mid 20s. So they were married for about a number of years. And then, unfortunately, that marriage also ended in divorce. She then began um, performing and traveling around Europe and so forth. And ends up staying in Paris, actually, for a few years because she had found the expatriate community of black Americans. They're kind of more her own people. A lot of people had, like, Langston Hughes and so forth. Uh, you could also think of artist Henry Asaratana, who would be an expatriate. And, and, and lots of people, Josephine Baker, found the Parisian uh, environment much more uh, yeah, to their liking. So Hazel Scott's there for about a number of years, and she finally comes back in the 1960s to America. And she's having trouble trying to actually perform because the 60s sound is different now. The 60s sound is Motown. The 60s sound is British pop. The 60s sound is no longer what Hazel Scott had left behind. She has a few parts here and there, and interestingly enough, for all you soap opera people, this is an interesting tidbit. Now, is this going to be confusing, or can you connect the dots? It's a little bit confusing. I'm going to try to connect the dots, though. If not, I'm the dot man. I got you back, okay? I got you. I got you back. <laughs> In 1973, Hazel Scott made her television acting debut on the ABC daytime soap opera, One Life to Live, which I think is actually still on. I'm not a soap opera fan anymore, so I couldn't tell you. She performed a wedding song at the nuptials of her on-screen cousin, Carla Gray Hall, portrayed by Ellen Hawley. And just a side note, Ellen Hawley was actually a pioneering African-American soap opera actress who is the descendant of a noted African-American female doctor who was the third African-American woman in the United States to actually get a medical degree by the name of Susan Smith McKinney Stewart. So look at those two pioneering women on screen together. And right now I'm literally trying to Google to see if this episode is available. But look at the DNA that came out of that, that uh, the family. You, you know, our history is so interconnected. And also we carry the, the badges of honor and the scars of damage with us in every aspect of our lives. And despite that, have been able to overcome, yeah. All right, and become extremely creative and also kind of break ground in all these different areas. Not just television, not just music, but, you know, athletics and dance and all types of areas. So if, if you really want to become a, a Hazel Scott fan, the Marketplace offers her original 78 records for sale. She's on several different uh, covers of uh, Jet, Jet magazines. magazines. She's also, obviously, they're going to be playbills like this one from January 27, 1952 at the um, Polytech Auditorium in Baltimore, Maryland. And, of course, if you want to visit her um, headstone, she is buried in Flushing Cemetery in Queens, New York, near other noted musicians such as Louis Armstrong, Johnny Hodges, and Dizzy Gillespie. Okay, so... For those that believe in the afterlife, they could be they could be that could be an awesome gig, but there'll be some gigging going on up there with them, right? They could be gigging upstairs, right? You know it between Hazel Scott, Louis Armstrong, and Johnny Hodges. I'll I'll take that gig any day. And Hazel Scott's influence really has been felt even um, plus decades after her death in 1981. 
for example, Alicia Keys actually cited Hazel Scott as her inspiration for her performance at the 61st Grammy Awards. Which Lord have mercy again. You know how I love me some Alicia Keys. <laughs> in 2019. So when <laughs> Alicia Keys performs in 2019 at the Grammy, she says that I've been thinking about people who inspire me. Shout out to Hazel Scott. I've always wanted to play two pianos. Me too, Alicia. Me too. I can't even play one piano. We got we could play Bella's piano though. There we go. Mel uh, Melissa and Doug piano. So now I'm gonna entertain you with some musical um sophistication of Veronica A. Carr. Okay, off stage. Where's the Sandman at the Apollo to remove you immediately? And in 2022, the infamous Dance Theater of Harlem debuted a new ballet about the life of Hazel Scott. So her influence, her music, her style, her creativity, and just who she was has lived on long after she has passed on. Well, and there's also a, a child. Oh, yeah, Adam, Adam Clayton Powell III. Um, and interestingly enough, another side note, I think Adam Clayton Powell IV actually came to my alma mater, Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Woo! -hoo. Shout out, Lincoln. Uh, Shout out for the Lions, HBCU, Oxford, Pennsylvania, 1854, Ashman Institute. End of the day, there's never reason to think that a black history is boring. It's not. It's not only American history, it's global history, correct? It is global history. And it can resonate with uh, contemporary folk and contemporary topics if you do the homework, do the research, connect the dots, and share it in a way that is relatable to not only the scholar, the layperson, and the everyday person on the street. Millennials, Gen Z, people who love history, people who could care less about history. You can make history fascinating, particularly black history, because there's so much of it that's always going to touch on something that someone's interested in or excited about. So this concludes another edition of An Artifactual Journey. We've been chopping up about Hazel Scott. Uh, listen to us for uh, more exciting uh, discoveries as we go on this artifactual journey. And if you like the podcast, please check us out at Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M at Artifactual Journey. We're all also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, we are also on Buy Me A Coffee. Don't please don't send me a coffee. Actually go to buymeacoffee.com and donate to our lovely podcast. All right. Um, that is, is that it? I think that's it. Actually, oh, we're also on Facebook too—Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. And are we trying to are we trying to get to uh, Mastodon and and Tribal and, and Reddit? Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to make our slow social media migration. So check us out there as well in the near future. Alrighty, that's a wrap.